I'm Dave Champion. Back when I was 17 years old, I was assisting a sensei teach a martial arts course. And it was a beginning course. The sensei was teaching uh, the students how to escape from a headlock. So, and myself and some other more advanced students were assisting the novices. So one of these novice guys, super nice guy, you're just one of these kind of silly, happy guys. He somehow got it in his head that he was going to show me after the class was over that he could get me in a headlock and I could not escape the headlock based on what he'd been taught because he had figured out how to get do the headlock in such a way that that escape mechanism would not work. So I'm just about to leave the studio and whoo, this arm comes around my neck, right? I have no idea who it is. Uh, and a second later, he's laying on the mat with his shoulder at a very uncomfortable angle. And the, the moral of that story was because he'd, he'd been taught that day, an hour earlier, how to escape one method, one method of escaping a headlock. He assumed that that was it, that he now knew the answers, even though there's a zillion different ways to escape a headlock. I share that with you to make the point that people sometimes, they, they get this viewpoint, as I go say, this, this is it. And they don't understand that, no, that's part of it. But then there's this whole big part over here they know nothing about. I often refer to that euphemistically as um, a, a book might be 20 chapters and somebody's read four chapters in the book. You know, they, they don't really know there's 20 chapters. They've read four chapters. They're pretty impressed with themselves. Yeah, right. They don't know what they don't know. And that is a challenge that I face when I present science issues or physiological issues and so forth. Um, how much information, how many chapters in that book, how many chapters can I present in a video? And if there are more advanced chapters, is it time to present that more advanced information? Or are people's eyes just going to glaze over and they're going to tune out? Well, occasionally, circumstances and time persuades me to go a little bit further, and that's exactly where we're at today. Sweden's new daily infection numbers are exploding. And because of that, some people have the misimpression that herd immunity had not actually come to Sweden back when we were talking about it months ago. So I'm going to cover three issues with you today. Herd immunity is a process changing behavioral patterns and how many infections occur in the home. They're all relevant to the question of, with these cases going crazy, is Sweden in herd immunity? I'm gonna start out by showing you the graph that I used in yesterday's video, so it's only 24 hours difference, it's not gonna make any difference, showing you the 93-fold increase in cases since, I think it was late July, you'll see on the graph. But that will give you an idea of where Sweden's new daily infections have gone, and then we'll talk about the three points. Here's the data graph. You can see back here, this is the traditional herd immunity pyramid that we've talked about time and time again concerning Sweden. 
Then you'll notice there was virtually no new infections. And now right here, you can see they start to tick up. And of course here, you can see they go almost vertical. All in all, in the period of time indicated by the red lines, there's a 93-fold increase in new infections. Sometimes I use analogies or physical gestures that turn out in the end not to be the wisest choice. For instance, months and months and months ago, when I was talking about herd immunity, I would often refer to it as Mother Nature's off switch. If you watch my videos, you've probably seen me do that quite a number of times. Then a couple months back, I had to sort of adjust that. I'm like, okay, so yeah, in terms of history, if you're looking at tens of thousands of years, it is turning off a light switch. But in terms of us here in the real world, living out our very mundane lives, it's not like turning a switch. It's actually a process that takes, depending on the contagion someplace, between 20 to roughly 30 months, normally closer to the 30 month mark. So this, <laughs> I regret using that months and months ago, but historically that's accurate. In the big timeline of history, that's accurate. It's just gave the wrong impression to the audience because in fact, it is measured in, like I said, 20, 24, 30 month period for full herd immunity to kick in. In other words, it's, it's an ongoing building process. I've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. So that is that when an entire community or the lion's share of them change their behavioral patterns, it will change the infection pattern. In other words, where is that contagion going and who is it impacting? When you have mass change of behavioral patterns, you're going to have a considerable change in the infection pattern. On the low end, a study many, many, many months ago said that four out of five infections, 80%, occur in the home. And a much more recent one, I believe out of South Korea about 60 days ago, said that 98% of infections occur in the home. Like everywhere else in the Northern Hemisphere, it is now winter in Sweden. In the summertime, Swedes love to get out. That's sort of a cultural thing to get out of the house and do a bunch of outdoor nature things. But once it gets bitterly cold, like any other humans, they go indoors and they predominantly stay indoors. And as we discussed, 80 to 98% of all infections occur in the home. So obviously, if you have a bunch of people who are spending their days out of the home doing all sorts of outdoor activities, that's going to give you one infection pattern. When all those people go inside and stay inside hour after hour after hour after day after day after day after day, in close proximity to others in their home where nobody's social distancing in their homes, nobody's wearing a mask in the home, nobody's going through the sanitizing protocols with virus killing substances every couple hours in the home. Nobody's doing that, right? So in the home, 80% to 98% of all infections occur. So when people go into the home, that's now where they're spending the lion's share of their time. Yeah, infections are gonna go up just the way it is. I talked about contagions ending 20 to 30 months after the outbreak and when herd immunity begins to kick in, of course, is questionable. You can, know, you can usually only determine that looking back at the data. And then it grows and grows and grows and grows. In other words, the pool of people who have had it 
have antibodies and now cannot get it or give it continues to grow and the pool of susceptible people shrinks. But I want to take your attention back to the graph for a moment. This is, as I said, the traditional herd immunity pyramid. And of course, we see after that case, new infections are very, very low. And this is what may best be referred to as summer herd immunity. And what I mean by that is with the behavioral patterns, in this particular case of Swedes, but we can look at all sorts of other locations, with the behavioral pattern of Swedes, they had achieved herd immunity. Herd immunity at that general time frame with that behavioral conduct pattern. But then everyone's freezing their ass off, so they go indoors. Then what happens? Yeah, this right here. And while it looks hellacious, um, especially given all of the nonsense by the media over the last nine or 10 or 11 months, it is what we may best refer to as winter herd immunity. So we had the summer herd immunity. Now Sweden is working on winter herd immunity. So if remember we talk about herd immunity as a growing process. So what we had here was summer. We have now is winter. So the herd immunity process is continuing. The pool of people who have been infected, have antibodies, cannot get it or give it, is growing. And the pool of susceptible people is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And you understand that Sweden is having as close to zero deaths, oh, many days it is actually zero, as anyone could ever want in the midst of an outbreak. It's just deepening the herd immunity. It's increasing the progress towards that moment when this pool is so high and this pool is so low that the virus has nowhere to go. And that's when we have seen in all of history, but more so we'll say in the 20th and 21st century when we've actually been watching this with more scientific eyes, that's when we've seen these things just go away. Now, they don't go away entirely. I mean, there's still, you know, a handful of cases of the Black Plague every year. So these viruses never really go away, but they cease to be a threat to the population on the whole. And that's happened with every single pandemic in human history, and it's going to happen with SARS-CoV-2. But in order to get there, yeah, you need that pool to grow and this pool to shrink. And that's exactly what's happening in Sweden. I use them because I think they're a great example, but that's happening all over the world. The only difference is I'm sharing with you the, the, the big picture, why I phrase it that way. And the fact that especially considering Sweden's death are as close to zero as humanly possible in the middle of an outbreak, no one should be concerned about that, right? I'm giving you the big picture. By the way, when I say no one should be concerned, if a billion people were infected and virtually nobody was dying, why would you care, right? Okay, so that's kind of the position Sweden's in right now. If Europe and the United States had handled their, I'm sorry, if most of Western Europe, excluding Sweden, had handled their business differently, and if the United States had handled its business differently, we'd be in the same boat, but we didn't. We handled it the stupid way. So we're not there yet. But the good news is we are increasing that pool of people who've been infected and cannot get it and cannot give it, and we are decreasing the pool of susceptible people. I, I just wanted to share this because the media, of course, is pointing to every increase in infections and screaming that the sky is falling. Yeah, the media is the, and a lot of these public health officials are the ultimate chicken little. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to give you a broad overview so that you understand that what the chicken littles are screaming isn't true. No, the sky is not falling.